Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, May 15th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. President Trump announcing new developments in the race for a coronavirus vaccine as lawmakers battle over a new stimulus package. And the CDC issues new guidelines as the debate over reopening America deepens and cases rise in a few states. And the fallout from the blistering testimony of the man who led the government's search for a vaccine and his urgent warning. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today in Washington, D.C., where the president has delivered remarks on vaccine development. This as the House of Representatives votes today on a historic $3 trillion relief package, which is likely to face Republican opposition. Janet Rodriguez is in the nation's capital with the latest details. Janet, what can you tell us? Well, at this hour, the president is speaking on Operation Warp Speed. What he says is that he plans with this operation to have a vaccine ready for distribution before the end of the year. Herculean effort, some say here at the White House at this hour. The president says that he is naming a world-renowned immunologist as well as a U.S. general to be able to take charge of that operation, to have that vaccine ready and ready for delivery before the end of the year before January is the date that he has given to those two uh, renowned men to be able to get this job done. Here's what the president had to say. Unlike anything our country has seen since the Manhattan Project, you really could say that nobody's seen anything like we're doing, whether it's ventilators or testing. Nobody's seen anything like we're doing now within our country since the Second World War. And this is basically now a collaboration between the federal agencies, the U.S. Army and uh, um, the forces and uh, the private sector to be able to get this vaccine as soon as possible. However, Dr. Fauci, who was standing there with the president this afternoon, has warned time and again that a vaccine may not be ready for another 18 months. So we'll see if the president will be able to deliver with this operation. On the other hand, what the president and the White House is saying today is that they do not support and will veto that $3 trillion package once it's passed uh, in the House. And if it ever passes the Senate, the Senate said the Senate leadership there, Mitch McConnell, has said that it will be dead on arrival. But that vote will go on this afternoon. And they do expect to pass that bill among party lines. Uh, the point of the Democrats is to get this to be a starting point for the Republicans to start negotiating because the reality, they say, is that a fifth package is needed and they need to be able to start working on it, whether it is not this it will not be this three trillion dollar package that will pass this afternoon something has to happen according to the democrats and the republicans say that they will continue to wait to see what the effectiveness of the money that has already gone out is before they vote on another package back to you lorraine Thank you, Janet Rodriguez from Washington, D.C. And Republicans have said that they will not vote on what they have called a wish list for Democrats. And the CDC releasing new guidelines on how to safely reopen and avoid outbreaks. This comes as four states are seeing new cases on the rise. And in New York, the epicenter of the outbreak here in the U.S., the governor announces easing of restrictions. Lorraine Gassidis has more. 
In New York, five regions in the northern part of the state qualifying for phase one of reopening, showing 14-day declines in hospitalizations and deaths. Businesses going back to work, including construction, agriculture, and retail, limited to pickup and drop-off. But in hard-hit New York City and the surrounding areas, Governor Cuomo extending the stay-at-home order until June 13th. I would urge local governments to be diligent about the business compliance and about individual compliance. Uh, And then if you see a change in those numbers, react immediately. In neighboring New Jersey, restrictions are also being relaxed. The shore will reopen by Memorial Day with limitations. That's a big step. Uh, We take it very seriously, and if we have to pull the brakes, we will do that. Elsewhere around the country, the famous Mall of America in Minneapolis plans to reopen June 1st, but dine-in restaurants and attractions will remain closed for the time being. And in South Florida, President Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort will partially reopen Saturday. Governor DeSantis has authorized the two most affected counties in the state to begin phase one on Monday. But in Michigan, reopening is not happening fast enough for these demonstrators. We're not going to be bullied, browbeaten, or intimidated. Protesting Governor Gretchen Whitmer's stay-at-home order, prompting law enforcement to close the state capitol. This as the CDC on Thursday released new recommendations on how states can safely reopen and avoid outbreaks amid the pandemic. Restaurants and bars urged to encourage social distancing by enhancing spacing of tables and stools, limiting party sizes, and provide flexible leave for employees. Schools and camps advise to stagger drop-offs and limit how often kids gather in groups. At least 45 states are already easing restrictions. By next week, that number jumps to 48 states. Right now, four states that have already eased restrictions, Montana, South Dakota, Arkansas, and Maine, are seeing new cases on the rise. Lorraine Gassidis, U News. Thank you, Lorraine. Meanwhile, in Southern California, the U.S. Navy's Mercy Hospital ship is set to depart Los Angeles today. The California Office of Emergency Services says it has successfully done its job and helped decompress the healthcare system in that area. The ship will head back to its home port in San Diego. Some medical personnel will remain in Los Angeles to help as needed at nursing centers and other care sites. New fallout from the whistleblower, Dr. Rick Bright, who issued a dire warning about the coronavirus during a hearing before the House Committee on Energy and Commerce's Health Subcommittee. Meanwhile, President Trump toured a medical equipment facility in Pennsylvania where his comments have drawn some criticism. Without wearing a face mask himself, President Trump visited a medical equipment distribution center yesterday in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Most of this equipment is made in the USA. The company Owens and Minor Inc. has sent millions of N95 masks, surgical gowns and gloves to hospitals across the country. The U.S. has more than 1.4 million confirmed cases of COVID-19, but President Trump said that's only because the U.S. has carried out more tests than other countries. We have more cases than anybody in the world, but why? Because we do more testing. When you test, you have a case. When you test, you find something is wrong with people. If we didn't do any testing, we would have very few cases. They don't want to write that. It's common sense. So we test much more. But while in Allentown, the president was greeted by protesters in a caravan. The Lancet Medical Journal criticizing the federal government's response to the crisis in an editorial, writing, 
The Trump administration has questioned guidelines that the CDC has provided. These actions have undermined the CDC's leadership and its work during the COVID-19 pandemic. The editorial goes on to say the USA is still nowhere near able to provide the basic surveillance or laboratory testing infrastructure needed to combat the pandemic and later suggests that only a steadfast reliance on basic public health principles like test, trace and isolate will see the emergency brought to an end. However, what Meantime, former vaccine chief Dr. Rick Bright offered dramatic testimony on problems. Capitol Hill, painting a stark our picture of what's to come. Closing. If we fail to improve our response now based on science, I fear the pandemic will get worse and be prolonged. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. Bright First also discussing tempered expectations about a vaccine. 12 to 18 months is an aggressive schedule, and I think it's going to take longer than that to do so. The president dismissing bright statements. I don't know him. I never met him. I don't want to meet him, but I watched him, and he looks like an angry, disgruntled employee. Some Republicans on the subcommittee said Dr. Bright's hearing shouldn't have been held at all. Republican Richard Hudson of North Carolina claimed the hearing was not about the whistleblower complaint, but undermining the administration during a national and global crisis. Now, an update to a story we told you about yesterday. The FDA has issued an alert about the COVID-19 test being used by the White House. Thursday, the FDA said there are possible accuracy concerns with the Abbott ID now coronavirus test. The agency points to recent studies that show the test may return false negative reports. New York University researchers found the test to be, quote, unacceptable for use with patients. Abbott has disputed these findings, saying the results of the NYU study are inconsistent with other studies. The FDA says the test can still be used and it's working with Abbott and others to examine the new data. At least five sailors who returned to the USS Theodore Roosevelt have now tested positive for the coronavirus. This after the aircraft carrier saw more than 1,000 of its nearly 4,900 crew members test positive following an outbreak back in March. Five sailors have tested positive. 18 additional sailors have been taken off the ship just as a precaution. America's retail sales hit a historic low last month. An advanced reading from the Census Bureau showed U.S. retail sales plummeted by 16.4 percent in April. That's the largest drop since at least 1992. It's also much higher than the more than 8 percent sales drop in March. Clothing and accessory stores saw the biggest hit down 89 percent in April. Unemployment has skyrocketed in the U.S. since mid-March, a reality reflecting a shaky economy that's left millions facing financial hardship and uncertainty. But financial experts say there are things you can do to stay afloat financially. Here's Grecia Lastra with more. Dagoberto Turcios worked for a major hotel chain for 17 years. But at the age of 60, he's now suddenly out of a job. 
and he worries this is how things will remain for him. You get stressed during the day, thinking how long this is going to last. What are you going to do? Then you go out of bed with the same worries, and then the next day you wake up with the same thing all over again. Dagoberto's stress and frustration is shared by millions of people across the country as they confront a massive economic crisis few know how to navigate. Experts suggest that those who have lost their jobs need to get organized and they need to focus on a way forward. The most important thing is to really concentrate on your expenses and figure out what are the most critical areas – food, health insurance and electricity. It's also an important time to talk with your lenders and those you may owe money to. Credit cards, for example. Maybe you can negotiate a reduced minimum amount for your next payment. Or instead, set a new date and you can pay that amount. Same thing with your mortgage and your rent. Other tips is you can pause your retirement contributions. You can always pick them back up when your circumstances improve. If you're not driving very much, try asking your insurance company for a discount on your auto policy. You can also likely reduce your monthly payment if you temporarily raise your deductible. Also, take a look at your savings account, temporarily stopping any contributions for things like college funds and other major expenses. Everyone, whether they're working or not, whether your job seems safe or not, should focus on making some sort of immediate savings that they can turn to in case something goes wrong. It's important to discuss your plans with your family and any family members abroad you may be sending money to. Everyone needs to understand that the financial situation has changed drastically, and with that change will come some uncomfortable decisions. Reported by Lourdes de Rio, this is Grecia Lastra for You News. Tough times. Pharmacy chain CVS is opening coronavirus testing sites in some parts of the country as early as today. CVS says it will open more than 50 test sites and drive throughs in Arizona, Connecticut, Florida, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania over the next two weeks. The company says it plans 1000 locations open by the end of May. The goal is to eventually be able to process one and a half million tests every month. One of the complications from the pandemic, many families don't have a washing machine at home to clean their clothes. Stay-at-home orders and the fear of going out and possibly getting infected are preventing them from going to laundromats. Blanca Rosa Vilches has the story. Doing the laundry has never been as complicated as during this pandemic. So complicated, in fact, that some people have stopped doing it altogether. Don't make for two months, I didn't come to the laundromat out of fear. Her 69-year-old husband was also afraid to come out of the house. What did you wear for two months, I asked. He told me just house clothes, and they wash their underwear at home. It took three days to do the laundry for themselves and their two children. Benancio Tapia was in a similar situation. He stopped going to the restaurant where he used to work and also going to the laundromat. I didn't need many clothes because I was home and used the minimum, so I didn't have to do the laundry. Felipe Zambrano, on the other hand, has to clean five carts and five machines before using them today. It takes more time to disinfect everything before doing my laundry, she says. And the laundromat workers are also dealing with similar concerns. We don't come to the clients, so they don't get close to us either. Everything has to work around ours and their safety.
This is another way of how people are coping on living with coronavirus. In Union City, New Jersey, Blanca Rosa Vilches, U News. Thank you, Blanca. Grocery chain Publix announced it will be expanding its hours starting Saturday. Stores will be open daily from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. and the pharmacy will also have normal hours. Publix had reduced operating hours to add additional cleanings. The company says stores will continue to support social distancing, including one-way shopping aisles, plexiglass shields at cash registers and face coverings for all employees. In China, 11 new asymptomatic cases are being reported in Wuhan. Those cases discovered as the country is trying to stop a resurgence of the virus in its tracks through a massive testing campaign. Officials are aiming to test 11 million people in Wuhan during the next 10 days, the original epicenter of this outbreak. And now to the United Kingdom, where 75 to 100 children appear to have contracted a rare inflammatory illness linked to COVID-19. One 14-year-old in London has died from what's now called multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. The syndrome resembles another childhood condition known as Kawasaki disease, which typically affects children under the age of five. The disease is also being reported here in the U.S. and Europe. And on Thursday, Mexico marked its highest one-day increase in coronavirus cases, with nearly 2,500 new cases reported. The country now reporting a total of more than 42,000 cases. In spite of those rising numbers, the Mexican government is moving forward with plans to gradually reopen the country. Here's Alejandra Flores. Vamos a informar al pueblo de México. The Mexican government announced its reopening plan after 51 days of confinement. The plan includes a traffic light coding system that will inform the public in different states which businesses and activities are safe to resume. The first to open will be 269 municipalities in 15 states that have no reported COVID-19 cases. This is a reopening plan that we will start on June the 1st. Meanwhile, we have a preparation stage and will expand from May 18 the essential activities with construction, mining and transport manufacturing. Weekly reports of health conditions will establish which color corresponds to every municipality. All the countries in the world also face the risk that there could be a re-emergence of the virus. In the Valley of Mexico, we are still at a red light stage, where there are still infections and hospitalizations. We are the area that has the most cases and hospitalizations. There are 5,500 of which 20% are intubated. We continue in confinement. Areas in red will permit essential activities only. Orange color allows non-essential activities to increase. Yellow color permits public spaces to be accessed in closed places. The green one permits all activities with sanitary control measures. According to government authorities, the return to this new normality should be gradual and orderly, seeking a balance between health and economy. It is a reactivation plan that has generated opinions like this. We will need that the protocols that are about to put in operation have the greatest supervision and I will continue to insist we require in this new phase tests, tests and more tests. Perhaps the criticism would be that suddenly eight, ten more days would have been worth it, but it's a measure that we had to take.
in terms of GDP, we have lost something like 2-3% ash points. Meanwhile, health workers continue to ask the government what is necessary for personal protection against the virus. From Mexico City, Alejandra Flores, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And now to New York. So coronavirus has put Broadway shows and operas on hold, leaving actors and singers out of work. But a new idea is getting them back to performing with personalized singing telegrams. The idea was launched by the arts organization Sing for Hope. Monica Eunice is the co-founder of Sign for Hope. Monica, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about this. So I want you to tell us, how was the Sing for Hope Grams idea first launched? Well, we had an idea that we needed to uh, help the incredible artists who have volunteered for us for so many years, as well as continue our programming in elder care facilities. So this was an idea that was launched to do just that, as well as bring a little bit of hope and a little bit of song to people who need it most right now. So tell us a little bit more about how exactly it works and who are some of the performers that people can book. Sure, absolutely. Well, we have incredible Grammy winners and leads from Broadway's best uh, shows that are ongoing. Uh, and they are available to be booked at singforhope.org to bring a musical gift to a loved one or celebrate a birthday or celebrate Father's Day or graduation. It's a wonderful way to give artists a chance to do what they do best, which is to perform and to connect. And we all need that right now. Uh, There's so many people in isolation. There are so many people who uh, really need uh, that musical gift to brighten their day. And this was a way that we uh, figured we could do that and could easily uh, pivot to a virtual platform. And people are loving it. They love the opportunity to bring this to teams. You know, there's a lot of Zoom fatigue these days. So mm -hmm. it's a great way to bring an artist to uh, your team. We're, we call that Sing for Hope Moments, um, where we have a Broadway artist or an operatic artist who Zooms in and provides a little uh, musical pick-me-up, if you will. And it's also great for grandparents who are quite lonely these days. Now, you're an accomplished performer yourself. You've performed with the world's leading opera companies, including the Metropolitan Opera, Washington National Opera. How has the pandemic affected performers like yourself? You know, unfortunately, uh, there's not an artist I talk to that has not been affected. 95% of arts organizations have had to cancel their uh, seasons. And that means that every artist and everyone backstage is out of work right now. So all of our Broadway stars, all of our friends at op on operatic stages across the world are having a really hard time. 62% of, uh, of artists are out of work. And many more, 80% have uh, said that they have lost income to, or because of this pandemic. You so mentioned, we are go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say we are trying as an organization to give them a, an opportunity to earn some income and, as I said before, to bring that to uh, the elder care facilities that Sing for Hope works with on a regular basis. Now, you mentioned many gig workers in your field haven't gotten unemployment checks yet. Many people are in the same boat. So basically, this is like a little source of income? Absolutely. This is a little source of income and gives them an opportunity really to perform. Uh, I had the privilege of hosting a Sing for Hope moment, and one of our artists expressed that this was one of the first times that they'd been able to perform for an audience, albeit a virtual one, and they really relished that opportunity. Artists are out there to create and, um, and share that gift, as well as being paid for their very carefully crafted uh, art form that they've worked and honed for many, many years. Do you see Broadway reopening anytime soon? And also, I would also like to jump to the next question because we don't have a lot of time. How will the proceeds be used? Absolutely. So our artists get paid and our, our, we're using um, the, the income that we receive to further our programming. We're pivoting to a virtual programming. So making sure that our elder care facilities can access things like seated exercises by some of our artists uh, who normally volunteer for us, but they would be getting paid for that, uh, as well as these Sync for Hope grams, which our artists are paid for to do. Now, last but not least, you co-founded Sing for Hope in 2006 with the idea of using art to make the world a better place. What has been some of the organization's biggest accomplishments for you? Well, Sing for Hope is also well known for the Sing for Hope pianos. And to date, in our 12-year history, we have placed 500 Sing for Hope pianos all over parks and public spaces in New York's five boroughs. That's not something that is happening this year, but we continue our programming for those who are isolated, as I mentioned. And I think that uh, having those Sing for Hope pianos in schools, uh, public schools, where they continue programming on in a regular time, uh, that's one of the things that we probably are proudest of. And we are also proud of the incredible artist roster that we have. We have over 5,000 artists who volunteer for us, and we're excited to continue that journey. Thank you so much, Monica, for your time. We are running out of time, but we wish you the very best, and let's continue making this world a better place. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.